because this is a meditation retreat we give a lot of care and attention to the process of meditation and to the activity or non-activity of meditation and yet it's also important that the qualities and the process and the um, explorations that we give attention to and we also consider them in their sort of portable aspect the ways in which we can carry uh, transfer integrate what's happening here what we're doing here how we're orientating to experience into the wider context of our lives and clearly the situation isn't portable. The silence isn't portable to the rest of your life. The schedule probably isn't portable to the rest of your life. The kind of support that there is here, support of each other, support of teachings, etc., isn't portable to the rest of your life. And sometimes I think because you know, the situation is powerful, beautiful, important, and we might really feel the potency and the support of the situation, and then we think, oh, yeah. You know. Either we kind of try to apply that in the rest of our life, which doesn't work, it's not portable, Or, in emphasizing the situation, we also emphasize the kind of gap. This seems so different from the rest of my life. And we see that it's not portable, that the situation isn't portable, and so we think, well, how how could I transfer this to the rest of my life? But a lot of what we've been exploring, right, we're using the situation but we're using the situation as a kind of training situation to train qualities, to train an orientation to life, to train a sensitivity that is totally portable. Whether you're in silence and on retreat, or whether you're in uh, some other sphere of activity in another place with other people, etc., the tendency of mind to be pulled and pushed around by intensity and by habits, that's the same. And then the orientation to be able to recognize that and to reorientate the attention in some kind of skillful way, easeful way, caring way, that's portable. We've explored how Attention moves to habits and how we can actually train in it in a different way. And the tradition that's broken into three different types of of skillful attention. Pali words for that, vitaka, vichara, viveka. Vitaka, first that kind of attention that is just the pointing, the reorientating. And you may get caught up very easily, very often, and for very long times. 
because habits are strong. You know, you see that happening just here in this situation. I'm pretty sure it'll happen in the wider situation as well. And yet, it doesn't really matter how often you get caught up, how much you get caught up, or what you get caught up in. Because sooner or later, you know, the imminence of life, the fact that actually immediacy is the context in which everything is happening, including you being caught up or spaced out, right, that immediacy reasserts itself. And we wake up. Right, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was you know, wherever, in whatever, whatever detail, whatever drama, whatever reaction. And in that moment, the vitaka is that way in which you consciously redirect your attention. And kind of, ch- you honor the immediacy of things. You unhook from that drama, that detail. And then it doesn't matter where you were caught up, how long you were caught up, why you were caught up. Because in the moment of waking up to it, you're not caught up anymore. As soon as you start worrying about, why was I caught up, and where was I caught up, and how long was I caught up, that's just getting caught up again. Right? And we can see that just here in meditation practice. In the moment of waking up, and then the tendency either to, oh, I was caught up, I shouldn't be caught up, why am I caught up? That kind of being caught up. Or the opposite, oh, I'm caught up. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, I'll go, I will go back to my breath, honestly. (laughs) I will, in a few minutes. That's also called being, more being caught up. So whether we're caught up in something pleasant or unpleasant, just that willingness, because whatever you support, whatever you feed, that's what grows. So in that moment, you can feed being caught up or you can feed your independence from that. You can feed this quality of vitaka to orientate the mind, to train your attention, to focus on the immediate, that which one can actually be engaged with, intimate with, receptive to. And then vichara, the element of experience that explores, like we spoke about the other the other day in investigation. The attention that having pointed our attention to something, yeah, then the willingness to actually, you know, feel into it, get familiar with it, to actually really get to know what this mind state's like. What's actually happening in this moment? The way the mind uh, gets involved with experience. Skillful capacity that we learn to really be able to taste, get to know the texture, the feel of a mind state. The more we get to know our experience in that way, the less fooled we are by it. And there again, we can get into that thing sometimes when some familiar mind state comes or some familiar thought loop comes and it's like, oh, this again. 
as if somehow this again is the problem. And if I could just get away from this again, then something more interesting would happen. But this again is the opportunity to oh, get to know this again. And the more you can you get to know boredom, the less fooled you are by it. And ironically then we might find that our oh, boredom, the state of boredom says I'm bored, there's nothing interesting here. But if you, if you get to know, the state of boredom might actually be quite interesting. Getting to know it. Getting to know the way in which that which knows boredom isn't bored. That way intention can feel into, find out about, get familiar with. The more familiar with experience we are, the less fooled we are by it. And the more familiar with our experience, the less afraid we are of it. The more there's that growing confidence that nothing can go wrong here. Nothing can go wrong in this heart, mind, body. Nothing can go wrong. And that's true. And we get to taste that truth more and more deeply and taste the kind of unshakable confidence that grows out of that. Nothing can go wrong. There is no wrong mind state. There is no wrong uh, feeling. There is no wrong thought. There is nothing wrong that can happen to body. I mean, it can get sick and it can decay and it can die. But that is going to happen anyway. That's not called wrong. That's called life. No. A few weeks ago, I broke three ribs. And uh was extremely painful. I don't know if you've ever broken ribs. You don't notice when people break ribs because you don't put ribs in a cast. Right? But since breaking my ribs, I found out it's quite common. I met quite a lot of people. I was in the supermarket buying dog food. I couldn't lift the dog food out of the trolley because of the broken ribs. I said to the cashier, I'm sorry, I can't lift the dog food. Broken my ribs. Fishing for a bit of sympathy. You know. I said, I've broken three ribs. She said, oh, I beat you. I broke four ribs last year. <laughs> So it's very painful to break ribs. You know. Laughing and coughing and sneezing are very painful. Actually, just breathing is painful. Every time you breathe, your ribs move. Like, like normally, if you break something, you immobilize it, right? Because it's so painful to move a broken bone. And, you know, it's uh, when things are comfortable and convenient, I notice myself, when things are comfortable and convenient, it feels very obvious to me that nothing can go wrong. Right? And it's very nourishing to the heart to dwell in and be held by that deep conviction that nothing can go wrong. But, there's always a sense, well, it's easy to say that now when things are comfortable and convenient. What about when things are uncomfortable and inconvenient? 
So actually I find that having broken ribs is incredibly uncomfortable and incredibly inconvenient. But the sense that nothing can go wrong could really, really sustain through, through intense physical discomfort. And it can really sustain through emotional discomfort, situational discomfort, etc. And the growing confidence that comes as we get familiar with our experience and undefended around our experience. And we grow that feeling that nothing can go wrong. The feeling grows that, you know, that includes death. Nothing can go wrong. Of course, one doesn't want to be too blasé. We'll have to wait and see how steady that stays when King Yama comes and squeezes the last breath out of us. King Yama is the Buddhist lord of death, a little bit like the Grim Reaper. Kind of image or personification. King Yama roams around the world with a big scythe like the Grim Reaper does, seeing who to pick off today. Could be one of us. But it's okay. Nothing can go wrong. So whether in meditation here or whether in the wider sphere of our lives, we get that opportunity constantly to see where our attention is going, to orientate to embodied presence, immediacy of life. The opportunity to feel more fully into what's happening. Be familiar with what's happening. And the third quality, skillful attention, Viveka, is kind of the wide holding of attention. The recognition that whatever this is that's going on in body and heart and mind, whatever the experience is, it's not all that's happening. That there's space around it. That what's here, however um, (coughs) charged, however important it might be to give real care and attention, however important it might be to take that into consideration in how we speak and act and respond to what's going on. And what's here is happening within the space of awareness. Yuveka is that quality of a kind of embracing attention, a cool attention, an open attention. And that too, whether in the context of our practice here, you know, spacious holding of what's happening. Or whether it's in the wider context of our lives. You know, when we're, when we're caught in some difficulty or conflict or drama. It's not all that's happening. When we're walking, sometimes when I'm teaching in cities, I give people that practice, you know, and you're walking down the street, it's very easy to get pulled into the details, people, cars, shops, adverts, you know, all the things that are, dis- that are actively pulling at our fixating attention. And the encouragement while walking down the street, just to kind of widen the gaze, to take in not just the detail, people, shops, cars, but to take in the space around the detail. Oh, there's always a lot more space than there is detail. And same when we're sitting here. 
Right. The tendency is that attention by its habit goes to the detail. You, 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 this, that, Buddha, plants. But just widen your gaze. There's a lot more space in here than there is detail. And when you remember the space, or recognize the space, orientate to the space, it changes the relationship to the detail. It's less fixated less compelled. So these three um, facets of skillful attention, I offer them today as a way to work with our practice. And and I also want to emphasize their portable nature. These are not kind of just meditation skills, they're liberation skills. In sitting quietly, in walking quietly, in moving the body, in exploring in general, in conversation, in activity, in everything. So, in this way, we practice together. <coughs>